I think people should know how to be the best in the world at what they do. If you are going to be the best, then you've got to do one thing better than anybody else, and that's improve with the indoctrination that we're, that's coming at us through our culture. Mediocrity is promoted mostly, you know? Larry Moss taught me that if I ever get comfortable that I am dead in the water, the only way to improve is to struggle, to be the best safety in the world, to be the best chess grandmaster in the world, to be the best pole vaulter in the world, the best husband in the world, father. It doesn't matter the discipline because I've done this four times. Here you come into the into the earth and you're supposed to fit into this these shoes called mediocrity? I don't think so. So if you want to be the best at anything you do, my advice to anyone is find a coach who will get you there. And the next person I'm interviewing is my good friend, Bo Eason, who just came out with a brand new book, which is There's No Plan B for Your A Game. Now, Bo has put in an enormous amount of effort into this book, and today he's going to share with you his four-step process for how this works and how it looks. What I love about Bo is he lives exactly what he preaches. He is absolutely congruent. So I hope you enjoy this interview as much as I like sharing it with you. All right, Bo Eason, nice to see you, my friend. Mike, what's up, man? Oh, uh, well, I am here talking to you and you've got your brand new book coming out. Congratulations on that. Tell me about yes. there's no plan for your no plan B for your A game. No plan B for your A game. That's what that's what I saw my mom do. Me and my brother had dreams and she said, you know what? You could have these dreams and there was no option. Man. There was just one option and that was it. And that's where the title came from. I, I remember, you know what's funny about it, Mike? I remember when, when me and my brother were kids, right? We wanted to be these professional football players, but there was no, there was no players around us. We didn't know any no, from our area in our region. There was just no pro athletes. So parents of our friends would come over to my mom and dad's house and they would try to talk my mom and dad into me and Tony having plan B's. They go, you know, you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket. You need a plan B for those boys because their hearts are going to get broken. And I, my, I watched my mom like physically throw these people out of our house, never to be heard from again. And, that, and that's when I knew that, you know, uh, no option, less options, more success. Very good. And I, one thing yeah. I will say about you, so we've known each other, I think somewhere in the neighborhood of, um, better share of seven, eight years, something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah. and I've watched you evolve in ways and reinvent yourself. So here's my story of Bo, um, professional football player got to the NFL um, then became a playwright, Broadway performer, and then built this platform speaking and training. And I've said this to you before, and I'll say it again. I think you are hands down the most amazing speaker I've ever seen. And every time I see you, you actually get better, which this is a world that easily stagnates and people reach a certain level 
and they stop evolving. So I'm curious through your lens, um, first of all, what's the big driver that keeps you thinking that way and moving that way? And uh, I think that's the best place to begin because first of all, you've done it over and over and over again without stagnating. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, a big part of the book is this declaration piece, which I'm sure we'll get into, but you know, every one of my declarations, which I've only had four in my life there, they all have one thing in common and all four of them say, I want to be the best safety. I want to be the best playwright. I want to be the best speaker. So the best is always a part of that. And if you are going to be the best, then you've got to do one thing better than anybody else. And that's improve, right? So if you're going to think about that, if you're going to be the best at anything, and I don't care what it is, if you're going to be best at that thing, then you've got to improve day in and day out. And the only way to improve is to put yourself beyond your current capacity. So you've got to be actually outside of your own comfort zone. So even if you're great at speaking or great at playing football, it doesn't matter. You've got to get better if you're going to be the best. And that's just an ongoing process that I do and that I've gotten comfortable with. Like um, I'm never kind of satisfied with where I am. I always think, I can get better than that last performance. I can get better than that last game. I can get better than that last speech. And so I rehearse and improve, but that's got to be done outside my comfort zone. It's got to be done outside my own comfort zone. So I'm never quite comfortable, you know? And that I think that, that being, uh, you know, fighting for something and fighting for that improvement I think that's where my drive comes from because he never quite satisfied. I think Martha Graham said it best where she said um, she was writing a letter to a dancer who wanted to quit. And she said, you know, you'll never be satisfied. You can only be, you'll only have this queer divine dissatisfaction, this blessed unrest that keeps you going and makes you more alive than the rest. I've always kind of, thought about that uh, going through, you know, these improvement stages in any capacity that I've had. All right. Um, so that that's actually super interesting to me. And I'm curious. Um, so this dissatisfaction, tell me a story about that when um, and I'm going to give you a couple options. One would be think of a. Re a recent either speech or performance you had and tell me a story about the dissatisfaction, the unease you had, and how you noted that and what you did. Or uh, tell me a story about the book, because um, this is your first book. And writing yeah. a book is not easy. And I suspect no. that you put everything you had inside here and you actually wrote it. Um, so... Pick one or the other or tell me both stories. I want to hear a story yeah. about your dissatisfaction and unease. Yeah. Um, well, that happened the, the whole three years of writing this book and bringing this book into existence. 
for sure dissatisfied almost every word, going back, editing, changing, rewrites. But I was trained, Mike, I, rem- I think we've talked about this before, by a guy named Larry Moss, as far as stage performance, as far as acting the one-man show that he directed of mine called Run to the Litter. So, so every time you get, this is how he trained me, every time I got comfortable on stage, so I'd rehearse, I'd perform, and, you know, I performed that play 1,300 times over a 15-year period. So the reason pe- people would always come to me and they go, well, Bo, how do you do the same words over and over again? And I say, I can do it because it's never the same. Because Larry Moss taught me that if I ever get comfortable, that I am dead in the water. He said, if you ever become comfortable on stage, you must push yourself to another level, meaning go deeper with the words, try to be better with the delivery, try to connect on a deeper level with the audience. And the more you you keep that in mind, the more you're always at risk on stage, which is the only thing that audiences are interested in. Now, I was taught that from a from a a performance standpoint, but that's how it is also in the NFL. You know, every game you play, there's somebody faster, there's somebody younger, there's somebody bigger coming up behind you, trying to take your job or trying to defeat you in a game. So you're never comfortable out there. It's not like you're going, man, I'm really confident. Look at me. It doesn't feel like that. It feels like that guy's going to take my job. I better raise my level and beat him. And that's what I've taken into performance and into writing. The, 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 but the, the, I think the, the, the best point that people should take from this is, is what Larry Moss told me. You know, He goes, Bo, if you're ever comfortable on stage, you become unwatchable. And then you know, Al Pacino was a, was a great mentor of mine as I, when I first began. And he has this one famous saying, and he says, I wish that the stage was a tightrope so that only the brave would enter. And that's really what it takes is more courage to go deeper, more courage to connect with people. And I think that's that blessed unrest, that kind of queer divine dissatisfaction. You know, I bet that's how people, I'm not, I've never climbed the you know mountains like, you know, like Mount Everest or the free solo kind of guys. But I bet you they must feel that that divine dissatisfaction all the time because they're always being beat and they're always being, how do I get up that mountain? How do I get up this thing? And you're never quite there. And so with that, you have to improve. And if you're going to improve day in and day out and put yourself in that kind of situation, you're going to reach the top because our, our population just is not, they just don't like struggle. We just, as human beings, we don't like challenging our homeostasis. That makes sense. It totally makes sense. Um, so tell me a story about the book. Uh, why the book? Why now? And what was the biggest struggle you had in putting it together and writing it? Yeah. I mean, the book, you know, I've, I've been offered book deals before, Mike. Uh, since I wrote the play and was in New York, a lot of publishers would come to the play, and I, I got offered some book deals. I never 
said yes. Um, and I never said yes only because I didn't know what it was. And I wasn't about to commit three, four years of my life to something that I wasn't sure about, you know, just to try to sell some books. And uh, JJ Virgin, who, you know, we're both great friends with, uh, was sitting in one of my masterminds and she goes, you should write a book. And then the next day her agent called me, Celeste Fine. Yep, and yep, she great. called and she said, I want you to write a book, but I, I don't necessarily want it to be about story, which is a lot of the things I talk about. She goes, I think people should know how to be the best in the world at what they do. And I said, because I didn't think, Mike, you know, like I've been obsessed with that my whole life, but I didn't think other people really cared. You know, I didn't think that kept people up at night. I, I didn't really know. But but Celeste said, no, I think gutturally or instinctively people know that's why they're put on this earth. But with the indoctrination that we're, that's coming at us through our culture, mediocrity is promoted mostly, you know? And to be the best or to be world-class is really kind of frowned upon or looked at like you're some kind of, you know, egotistical monster. And the minute she said that, and I think people would like to know the principles of what that takes, I said, I'll spend as many years as I can trying to get that right so people understand exactly, you know, why they're put here and how to bring that best into existence. Right. That's good. That's good. And uh, I can I can hear JJ saying that I can definitely hear Celeste. We share <laughs> her in common. She's my agent, too. Um, yeah. So why don't you talk a little bit about your four step process that um, yep. seems to be a good place to go from here. And then I want to dive a little bit more into. Um, well, let's yeah, into that process. That's great. Go for it. Yeah. And it, it's really, it's, it's so funny because it's, this process is really simple because it is really simple to be the best. It really is. And a lot of people might say to me, they go, Bo, even my kids say this, dad, it's hard to be the best. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, if you think it's hard to be the best, you should try being mediocre. That's really hard because we're just not set up that way. We're not it's not in our DNA. So you really have to fly in the face of mother nature to be mediocre. So I always say, no, no, it's much easier to be the best. And here, the first thing that you have to know, the first thing that we're going to do in the book, and it's early in the book, is declaration. So it goes declaration, preparation, acceleration, domination. Um Declaration, I want you to think of instead of goals, right? So declaration is no different than the Declaration of Independence. When I was nine years old, I drew up a, a declaration. Uh, uh, and it looks, you've seen it, Mike. It's a 50-year-old piece of paper. And it looks like the Declaration of Independence. And all there is on this little declaration for me at nine was I wanted to be the best safety in the world. And it had a little picture of me being the best safety in the world. And so I followed that declaration for 20 years until it came into existence. But listen, some people call that goal setting. I just, here's why I like declarations. Because I, when you think of the Declaration of Independence, you th I think of 
okay, there were four, our founding fathers 250 years ago drew up a declaration that you and me and every American in between us and 250 years ago and every American that comes beyond these 250 years lives, brings that declaration into existence by the way we live our lives. Every minute of every day, you and me talk freely, walk freely, and express our freedom in this country, bringing that declaration into existence all day, every day for 250 years. That's how I want you to think of your declaration. To be the best safety in the world, to be the best chess grandmaster in the world, to be the best pole vaulter in the world, the best husband in the world, father. It doesn't matter the discipline because I've done this four times. I've made four declarations in my lifetime and all of them happen. And they they happen because I follow the same exact principles that it took to be the best safety. They're the same exact principles that it takes to be the best playwright. They're, even though those are completely unrelated, you gotta make the declaration. That's the number one step. And the problem is, Mike, as you know, you know, nobody wants to declare anything because once you do that, now there's a big target on your back and you're going to be held to account of what you want to be the best in the world at. And you go public with that. And, you know, it's just not, it's not popular, but I believe it's why we're here. I believe the these dreams that we have inside of us are given to us and it's our job to express them and it's our birthright to bring them into existence like the Declaration of Independence. That's why I do it. And that's that's the first piece of the puzzle. And once we get that declaration into uh, in on paper, here's what happens. You, it's not like a goal where you've got a big to-do list that you're going to be marking off things you got to do to be the best safety. You're the best safety on day one. Now, these these declarations take years to come into existence, but you're actually being the best playwright on day one because it's a sense of being. So, for example, my son wants to do something that, that no one's ever done, right? Um, so he wants to be the first guy to play in the NBA and the NFL. So no one's ever done that. And that would, he might as well have come to me and my wife, Dawn, and said, hey, hey, mom, dad, I want to be the first man to walk on Pluto. And then me and Dawn, because our house and our environment is all about dreams, he said that at six. He drew up the plan at six, the declaration. So we said, okay, that sounds good, Axel. No one's ever done it, but let's be the first. And so now he's 12 and he's got six years under his belt of being the equivalent of the best athlete on the planet. So what does the best athlete on the planet have to be? What does he put in his mouth? What does he not put in his mouth? Who does he uh, surround himself with? What is in his environment like? How many hours does he sleep? What does he eat? Who coaches him? Who doesn't coach him? Every decision the declaration makes for him for six years. Now, he's going to be following this plan still for the next 11 years, about 11, until that happens. And when that happens, you guys, 
and they say it on ESPN and you and me are going to be watching it, what are they going to say about him on that day? They're going to go like this. Oh, today we have the first NBA player and first uh, NFL player. It's the same person. He's so lucky. He's so gifted. He has good genes. He And they're going to devalue the dream and the work and all the loss that he has faced throughout these last 20 years, right? All the proms that he had to skip, all the vacations that he couldn't go on, those they will just devalue. All the 5 a.m. trainings will be devalued. And you can rest assured that's going to happen to you too. But we've got to make the declaration, right? That's how this whole thing begins. Got it. So that's a declaration piece. Right on. Mike, you got any questions about that? Because um, uh, I can move on or... Well, I can I can hear a a, a naysayer saying something like, "Well, <clears throat> is that really his dream, or it is is it his father's dream, or who affected this? You know, where did that come from? What what instilled that belief and that desire and that need? And is he a well balanced? You know, it's like that whole question. Um, and again, I'm just playing back the my media channel yeah. in my mind right now. Yes. And, no, and no, that doesn't necessarily have to do with the four steps, but um, as a parent, you know, and I've got a, I've got a strong willed, strong charactered kid who wants things his way um, and sports he's in sports, but he's not driven the same way Axel is. And I've watched Axel, you know, he's definitely seems to be a, a boy, a man of his own character and his own desires. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, I, he, I'm sure I had something to do with it because of the choice that he made, right? I'm sure, Mike, he saw Run to the Litter, which he did, and saw that his dad made a plan many, many years ago and was influenced by that. No different than Zach is influenced by everything you've created and the marriage that you've built, right? There, we're all like that. But I, I, what, we can't avoid that. That's going to be, you know, you're going to want to be like, the mo- if you're a son, you're going to want to be like the most important, uh, you know, man in your life, which is your dad. You're going to want to be like him in some ways. Now, I'm not going to argue with that and like, oh, no, no, you can't do that or you can do that. He's the one who came up with the dream and made the 20 year plan. And it's sitting on his bulletin board. Right. And my job and our job as parents is to make sure and fulfilled so that he has an opportunity to fulfill on his dreams. Right, right. That's, I think, probably the greatest thing I was given to by my parents. I'm not saying my parents were like saints, and I'm not saying they were perfect, but I am saying they fought for our dreams. They fought for them. They took them seriously, and they fought so that we could get there. And I think that's our responsibility. And I, and that's what, you know, that's what I'm doing for my kids and my clients and the people around me. So I, I get the naysayers, but come on, man. What, why else are we here? Right. Did, did If this ever came out of a kid's mouth, then I'll change my book and my training. In fact, I'll throw the book in the fire bin. If this ever sentence ever happened, if a seven-year-old ever went to their mom and dad and said this sentence, Mom, dad, here's my dream of my life. You ready, mom and dad? I want to be a silver medalist in the Olympics. That sentence has never been said, ever. Why? 
Why has it never been said? Because that's how we're made. We're not made for silver medals. We're made for gold. Now, I'm not saying sil- winning a silver medal is a bad thing. It's a good thing, right? But you don't win silver medals. You lose the gold and they hand you a silver, which is pretty good, right? But it's not what you wanted. It is not why you joined the Olympics. But you won a silver, which is great. It's not how we're made. We're made to be number one. This book is just about flying with Mother Nature instead of flying in the face of her. Yep. Beautiful. All right. So let's uh, drive this to uh, step two, preparation. Preparation. No one wants to prepare, right? Preparation is really, Mike, uh, more than a mindset, but it's actually how you see things. I think it's more important to, uh, you know, people talk about mindset a lot. I think it's more important to see things how they accurately are, right? So let's just think back to who we actually are, right? So this is going all back to, you know, our mother, uh, mother nature. So as far as I'm concerned, she's undefeated, right? Like, so no one's ever beat her. No one's ever going to beat her. She's undefeated. So as a competitor, Guys like you and me, Mike, we are on her side because if you go against her, you're going to lose. So if you and me decided to build a beautiful fortress right on the beach in Malibu and we got the best architect and the best engineers and we built this fortress, who's taking that fortress anytime she wants it? You know, that's how I always am on her side. Now, listen. Most people think that they're mediocre or are being told they're mediocre, which Mother Nature has nothing to do with that. So when people push back against me, Mike, I just say this. I go, oh, so do you remember the day of your conception? And they often say, no, I don't remember that day. And I go, okay, let me give you a little refresher course of what happened on that day. So on that day, 300 million sperm were delivered on your con- the day of your conception, the same day, same uh, uh, happened on my day of, the, of conception. So 300 million sperm are delivered. You're one of them, okay? With a million years of design and evolution taught those sperm to do one thing. What was that one thing? Swim faster than the others. Fertilize that egg, yeah. baby, and that is a swim to the death. Am I right? It's a, it's a swim to the death. You ain't getting any silver medals for that, right? And uh, think of how competitive you must be. Think how strong you must be. With a million years of evolution behind you, you won the race. 300 million to one odds that you win that race and you won. And now here you come into the, into the earth and you're supposed to fit into this, these shoes called mediocrity. I don't think so. We're not made that way. So nobody wants a silver medal. No, we just, we just surrender to the fact that that it's too hard. And so we take the silver medal. Preparation is about reminding you of actually who you are. The rest of our, like our media, Hollywood, most of the publishing world, 
most of the guru world or self-help world is talking to you. They're talking to what you are not. I'm talking to what you are. And for some of you, this might be the first time that you're being talked to how you actually are, which you actually are the best way before I met you. Yet you're trying to prove to the world that you're not. And that's flying in the face of mother nature and that will kill you. And that is no, no way to go. That's the preparation piece, Mike. So everybody is re-remembering or re-reminded of who they actually are so they can see accurately of who they are. That's the preparation piece. Love it. I'll stop there. You got anything on that? No, I think, um, I think it's, it's so interesting how, uh, the lens that you look through is about always attaining your highest potential. And that is the focus. Um, and a huge part of what I'm interested is not just what you say, but how you think. And, um, that really is, uh, abundantly clear. And I think the the preparation, speaking for myself anyway, I am definitely a categorically ADHD kind of guy. Um, I'm a performer. So my mechanism for preparation is to just do and make and get in there. Um, and for those of us who aren't preparation minded, that just, it, to me, it's, it's a tremendous amount of foresight, discipline, and a real... A matter of anchoring into the declaration and being able to visualize the outcome over and over and over again. I don't know if you've got anything else to say about that. No, no, I, I, you're you're a hundred percent right. It's the you just have to be clear on who you are. If you if you if you remember that you, the odds of you being here, just I, I think back of those little tiny sperm, and and how there's no silver medals in that race. And the odds are so against you. And I think of the determination and the evolution and the desire to be number one, to get to that egg. We still carry that DNA with us right now. Yet we just apologize for it or pretend that never happened. And I think that's the wrong eyeballs to be looking out of, right? So that's the preparation piece. Now, Mike, the next, the third step is acceleration. And this is how you go past everybody else. And it's really simple. Science, it's not just Bo saying this. This is science backing me up. It's telling us that these impossible dreams that we have, these declarations that we have, are completely in our reach in our lifetime. And here's how it has to be done. So if you want to be the best at a thing, right, you have to leave your comfort zone, right? You can't, say you want to be the best NBA player. Do you think you can dribble a ball for 10,000 hours like this, just in your comfort zone, kind of dribbling your ball, kind of comfortable, kind of within your capacity, don't break a sweat. For a million hours, will you be the best NBA player? No. Why? You, because you did not leave, you did not struggle. You did not leave your comfort zone. You did not leave your current capacity. You did not challenge your homeostasis. So the hours don't 
count. This is the acceleration piece. You must work beyond your current capacity at all times because the only way to get to be the best, remember, is to improve. The only way to improve is to struggle against your your current uh, roadblocks, right? So when you're uncomfortable, when you're struggling, which is a biological necessity to be in the best, when you're struggling, you know you're on the right path. So most of us hate struggle. My kids are so funny. They hate struggle. And I said, no, no, you're doing the only thing that will put you at the top, which is struggle, which is battling your own capacity to see where you can go next. Because the one thing, Mike, this is the, this is the greatest news. The one thing that human beings are the best at, we, we're better than the dinosaurs, we're better than cheetahs, lions, great white sharks, we're the best at one thing, and that is adaptation. We're the best at adapting to challenging circumstances. The problem is we don't put ourselves in challenging circumstances. We just don't, not enough. We stay in the comfort of our success of like, wow, I reached a certain level. I'm just going to hang here and be comfortable for a while. You can't do that. you got to leave for you. If you want to go to second base, you got to take your foot off first. And it's uncomfortable when you don't have your foot on the base, right? We are the greatest species ever created uh, when it comes to adaptation. Remember that, adaptation. So it's never the strongest species that, that carry on. It's never the biggest or the fiercest. It is the ones who adapt the quickest to extreme conditions, which we do. We, we're, we're the best at that. So you have to invent those demanding situations for yourself. Because in our world, Mike, right? They, like you and me rode our bikes. We didn't have helmets on, right? We just rode. We had our best buddy on the back. You had your girlfriend on the handlebars, no helmets, going 25 miles an hour down a hill. And if you wiped out, you know, you had to adapt and survive, right? We've made our circumstances so safe today that there's almost no demanding circumstances for us to put our nose up against. So you and me have to be creative. We have to declare we want to be the best at a thing. And then we put ourselves outside the comfort zone and rehearse and practice and train outside of our current capacity until our bodies and our brains adapt to the new situation and eventually we're standing on top. Now, that might be some bad news for some of us, right? For some of you who hate struggle or who hate looking bad or who hate having skin knees and a bloody nose, that's the bad news. But here's the good news. If you're cool, and I think cool is the right word. If you're cool with struggle, with being outside your comfort zone, you're going to end up being the best in the world at your chosen field. You, you just are because no one else ventures in there. So that's, that's the acceleration piece. That's why it's just, it's not even competitive once you get this kind of 
mindset once you put yourself in this in this constant challenge of homeostasis. Right, right. Well, that and um, also having the expectation that the struggle is going to be present and it's actually your friend and uh, changing mm-hmm. your psychology. That makes a ton of sense. Really good. Really good. Yeah. And, and you know what, too, Mike? It's the only thing that you and me, us human beings, everybody watching us today or listening today, we're only tracked, we're only attracted, and you should think back who you were attracted to, who you married, who you dated, who are you attracted to now? The only thing us human beings are attracted to is courage, is somebody who has left the comfort zone, which is why if you think of every classic movie that you you and I can name right now, whether it be Rocky or Gladiator or The Wizard of Oz, it's because those characters left their current conditions and put themselves in a demanding situations with all kinds of obstacles. So you and me are attracted to them. Nobody ever married anybody else because they were smart. That never happened. No one ever married anyone else because they were clever. That never happened. They married somebody because they showed courage. They did something beyond their capacity. That's all that people are are attracted to. That's all anything's attracted to. That's why it's a you know it's a great place to put yourself. Very cool. Um, so talk yeah. a little bit about domination then. The fourth step. Domination is the last is the last step, and it's really you know it's, a lot of people go well, Bo. I don't like to dominate. I don't I don't want to dominate people. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about dominating your own position, dominating your own space dominating your position in life, the position that you play, right? Because here's the problem. We, you and I have these dreams and we make these declarations to fulfill on these many years into the future. The problem is you're doing, you're so exhausted that you can't reach the finish line because you're doing too much, too many things, too many things that you should not be doing. This is the domination piece. Think of, and I'm sure you've heard of this, Mike, the, the, you've heard the saying, maybe, um, Frank Sinatra doesn't move pianos, right? Have you heard that saying before? Mm-hmm. I think somebody even wrote that book, right? Frank Sinatra doesn't move pianos. Does Frank Sinatra, who is a, one of the greatest vocalists ever, right? Did he sell the tickets to his own show? No. Did Frank Sinatra sweep the stage before he took the stage? No. Did he? Move the piano on the stage. No. Did he he usher people into the theater and sit, seat them? No. Did he print out the programs? No. What did he do? He walked on the stage, played the piano, and sang. He did what he did because he mastered himself. He mastered what he does. He dominated the space that he was in. That's what I want you to do. You're going to start getting rid of stuff. Most people might think that being the best is about like adding a bunch of stuff. And I say, no, no, it's actually the opposite is true. To be the best, you got to get rid of stuff. You got to get lean. You got to do what you do. And then you don't do anything else. Kind of like a thoroughbred racehorse, right? What do they do? What do thoroughbreds do? They do one thing. They run 
and they run fast, right? They don't think about what they're going to plan for dinner. They don't think about going to parties. They're not shopping at the grocery market for what they're going to eat. They're not taking out the garbage. They run fast. If you commit to being the best, this team, what I have found, I've done it four times, this team surrounds you and they come out of nowhere, unexpected. Uh, They surround you and they try to fulfill your dreams because their dream gets fulfilled in fulfilling your dream. So this is why you must dominate and master your own space and your own position. That's the domination piece. No different than Frank Sinatra doesn't move pianos. No different than a thoroughbred racehorse. Think of yourself, see yourself like that. And this this road to the best not only becomes easier because you've got this whole team fighting for it, um, they get to go to the top with you, which is really cool. You know, the people who believe in you, the people that love you and believe in your dreams, they get to go to the top with you. There is no better feeling than, than taking people to the best through your dream. There's nothing better than doing that. So when people say to you, oh, you're being selfish, oh, you're being conceited by trying to be the best and declaring you want to be the best, actually, the opposite is true. It is the most generous act there is because you're fulfilling on why you're here and you're taking others with you. I love that philosophically. It's really, really good. And um, so why don't you talk a little bit about the book itself because it's available right now. It's already selling really well. So where do people go to get a copy and what do you have in store for them? Yeah, wherever you buy your books, whether that's Barnes and Noble or you go on Amazon Books a million. Um, where else can you go, sweetheart? I'm looking at Don. You can go to boeason.com. That's where you we should send people. Yeah, you can send people there. Yeah, Don's like yelling at me, Mike. She's like, boeason.com, they can go. Okay, good. There's a lot. Oh, cool. Don's saying there's a lot of bonuses on boeason.com. So I'm training you, I'm taking you through step by step. At the end of each chapter, Mike, there's actually action steps, right? So you're going to be able to fulfill on your declaration. You're going to be able to go through your preparation the same way I do and the same way I take my kids and my clients through. And the same is for acceleration and domination and how you're going to build your team. So there's a lot of exercises that we go through and I'll hold your hand and we'll go through it together because there is, to me, Mike, this is the conversation that I want to have. And this is the really lately, it's the only thing I care about is like people's greatness and how to fulfill on it. Because with the rest of the world coming at you, promoting mediocrity and talking to a being that you're not, uh, I just don't believe in that. I just think that's just, that's just not right. So that's why, you know, uh, the book now, that's why it's important. Because people have to see their way clear and just have a permission slip like I had. I mean, I was lucky, right? My dad woke me up every morning and my brother every morning by telling us we were the best. And, and he'd say a couple cuss words after he said that, 
right? Because that's how men talk back then. I mean, we still talk that way. But anyway, he woke us up every morning and told us we were the best. And we'd go to Little League and he'd tell us we're the best. And then we'd go on a date and he would tell us we're the best on our dates. And we're like, Dad, you're embarrassing us. That's embarrassing to us. And he said, no, you don't understand. You're the best. And he kept saying it until we surrendered to the fact that that's exactly what we were. And when that happened, you know, my brother became a Super Bowl quarterback and I became a top safety in the NFL. And then it went on from there, right? But that, 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 that message being massaged into our backs every morning for many, many years is what I want to give to people. I just want to give them the permission to know it's cool. In fact, it's, it's, it's more than cool to be the best. It's lonely, right? But it's really cool because you get to bring those others with you. Love it, Bo. Well, I'm uh, super proud of you. This is a big step and you deserve it. And you and Don and your kids deserve uh, what you've done here. And as I said in the very beginning, you're the best speaker I've ever seen, I've ever known. And it's because you work so hard at it. And I can't wait to see where the book goes. So um, here's what I'll say for everyone watching right now, which is, um, head on over to boeason.com spelled the same way it, it or it's spelled the same way it sounds b o e a s o n.com and uh, get his book get his bonuses and bo is there anything else you want to leave our uh, friends here with today i mean look the la, the 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 compliment you just paid me about being a speaker the only reason that that occurs to you like that is because I did what Al Pacino told me to do, which is you've got to spend your life on a stage more hours than anyone else, pushing the boundaries more than anyone else. Well, it's the same thing I try to bring to life in this book and the audio of this book. I actually do. And that's how it's performed, like with everything I got. Right. So if you prefer audio books, it's it's available. And I did the audio. So. That's the kind of impact that this book and the audio is going to have for you. So, um, so I hope you pick it up and then maybe we can start to dig in and build a groundswell of people who fulfill on their birthright to be the best. Right. Well, uh, Bo, I want to thank you. This is awesome. Great interview. And, um, I can't wait to see you and Don very, very soon as well. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Mike. Thanks so much. And thanks. Axel always, uh, Whenever he knows I'm going to be seeing you or talking to you, he goes, thank Mike for my shoes. I get my golden shoes. He loves them. That's right. That's <laughs> right. That's a super being shoes. So uh, good deal. Awesome. Well, thank you. And uh, definitely say hi to Axel for me. All right. Thanks, Mike. You got it. <laughs>